Welcome to the podcast. It is Pat and Stu in for Glenn today. You don't want to miss out uh, out on any of the program. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, I think you're going to like it. Um, before we get to the podcast, I want to tell you about Stu Does Power Hour. It's coming up just two days from today. You can watch the whole escapade. If you've never seen one of these things, it is completely ridiculous and a lot of fun. And it'll certainly get your weekend started right. It is at uh, Stu Does America's YouTube page, youtube.com slash Stu Does America. You can check it out there. Uh, also, we have the 62422 shirt, which is up for sale now. Uh, it is available at studosmerch.com. You can use the code STU10 if you'd like to save 10% off. Basically, it's you might not even this date might not even be resonating with you yet, but it's the date that they overturned Roe versus Wade. It's an important one. They want you to talk about January 6th constantly. I want to talk about this day, 62422. You can get the t-shirt, the mug, the sticker, the hat, all of it at studosmerch.com. And check out uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, which is immediately before uh, the Glenn Beck program uh, or 6 to 8 Central Time every day or anytime you want uh, on on your podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, make sure to check it in. And you can subscribe to both Pat Gray Unleashed and Studios America right here, right now. Rate and review as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars if you cared about that type of thing. Lori Lightfoot is in the news today. In a moment of hypocrisy for the ages, we'll get into that. There is a new poll about abortion that shows the media has been misreporting this the entire time. And we get the important words of Deborah Messing. Now, normally you might just say, I don't want to hear her words. She's an idiot, which is true. That is 100% factual. However, you will love this story because it's all about how celebrities and Democrats and activists are turning on the Biden administration. And it is delicious. Not as delicious as Kexi cookies, Pat. <laughs> yes, they. that's right. Kexi.com <laughs> if you want the most delicious cookie ever on the face of the planet. Uh, K-E-K-S-I dot com. Kexi dot com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of uh, Chicago, is so profound and such a peacemaker. Uh, I've noticed that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And attractive. We- <laughs> Physically beautiful yeah mm-hmm. and you really feel that way because you've brought it up several times have already. i now yeah because i yeah. you know huh. it's the first thing that hits my brain when i is think of Lori Lightfoot. okay and sometimes i just blurt it out mm-hmm. i hadn't realized that i had already said it so i apologize for that Pat. no that's all right i mean I you feel strongly obviously you feel strongly about it yeah i mean it's a, it's a bit redundant you mm-hmm. know because i just keep saying it but i want people to understand it's difficult to consider the 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 regime uh, mm-hmm. The administration mm-hmm. of 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 Lori Lightfoot, without mm-hmm. factoring in that, you know, people mm. notice right away how pretty she is. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, if I didn't know better, uh, if if I didn't realize that you're happily married, right, I might think that you you got kind of a thing for. Her. I'm a bit concerned mm-hmm. that my wife might be listening mm-hmm. because you know it's di- mm-hmm. it's look it's difficult. I'm a guy. You know, I'm just, I'm a straight out all American male. Right. And, you know, you you see someone like Lori Lightfoot and And you're a cis male, right? You're cis. I I am. Yeah. Yeah. I am Mm -hmm. cis male. Mm -hmm. Now I was not born a cis male, of course, had a transitioned. Actually, I transitioned in 1989. (laughs) Did you? But then I transitioned back in 1999. Now it was not, I'm not saying I rejected my initial transition because that would be. Uh, that that's when people do that 
Mm-hmm. And even if you recover it in the news, you're called a hater and you get uh, thrown out of the media. Yeah. So I just transitioned twice and oh. just happened to end up in the same spot, which okay. is just it just happenstance. But you just thought you tried out for a decade or so and then. And you you know back. what? No, Pat. No, I no, was born that right. way. Bo- I was born right. a person That's what I forgot. who transitioned once okay. and then transitioned <laughs> back yeah. individually, okay. not retracing my steps. Mm-hmm. I just decided to, because of the way I was born, yeah. to transition back. <laughs> and then <laughs> Because of the way you were born. And mainly, a lot. I will say a good chunk of the reason I transitioned back Mm-hmm. Was Lori Lightfoot? Oh wow! You know, just just so attractive. Wow! Even sort back then, in 1999. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think she's good looking now? <laughs> imagine her back in 1999. I can't. I can't imagine it. <laughs> oh, I, I can't. can't. I can't either. Nor do I necessarily want to. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you were talking about the yes. very attractive mayor of Chicago uh, and her peacemaking ability right now. She talked about you know how toxic our discourse is right now here's what she had to say yesterday and then we'll show you an example of what she's talking about from last week the toxicity in our Mm -hmm. public discourse is a thing that i think we should all be concerned about it's true right and it's Mm -hmm. ironic obviously that we're having this conversation it is ironic happened on Uh independence day you know we're not like a lot of other countries where uh, independence their version of independence day is marked with you know tro- uh, troops and mm-hmm. tanks and yeah. no what we do in the united states is we come together yeah. as a community yeah yeah and here, here's her coming together last week he said thank you clarence thomas oh yeah f, f you clarence thomas so that's uh Ironic, I think, is the word she used. Yeah, that's a good word. It, it really it's is. a good word. Ironic. Mm-hmm. And I might throw in mm, hypocritical. Really? Uh, yeah, I might throw in, that in, in. In what way, Pat? In the way that she's talking about the toxicity in our discourse after having been toxic in her discourse just last week. Hmm. But if she would have handled it a little bit differently and said, you know what? Just last week I was saying F you to Clarence Thomas. And I've decided that's too toxic. Would it, it'd be a little different. It would be an interesting approach, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, there is that. There, you, there is something to that. And I, politicians, whether they meant it or not, used to exploit moments like that. They're, they used to make a big mm-hmm. deal out of it. Yeah. You know, when your side did something wrong, you call them out. You know, I, I mean, not to bring up the the example that's been brought up a million times, but that social, sister soldier moment of the Clinton administration, where he kind of called out like uh, his uh, people who were his own supporters. Yeah, and it, I think it earned him some level of respect at that time from mm-hmm. people across the aisle who said, "Wait a minute, thanks for calling those idiots out." And I think that there's something to that. There used to be. You know, and especially when you're doing it yourself, you're calling out yourself for your own behavior. You're right. She makes yeah. a statement. She says, look, the toxicity is a problem. Now, look, there is you know, I don't like the the state of our debate in this country. And I'm a person who just told you and to show you how much effort I made on this. Mm-hmm. I'm a conservative. Mm-hmm. Lori Lightfoot's a Democrat. And I've said nothing but how attractive she is the entire show. <laughs> that is an example of. Of coming across the aisle yeah. and, and saying something out. positive yeah. about someone on the other side. So I mm. obviously lead the way. Obviously. On this. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. But like, you know, and I'm a person who's, you know, sold Nancy Pelosi sucks pens, 
right. and Andrew Cuomo is awful Which mugs. some may say that was toxic. <laughs> that, maybe some might say that. And I, I don't necessarily love that that's how we do things here. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. I do hmm. constantly engage in it, but I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's the greatest way mm. to run a country. But there is... Literally no evidence whatsoever that our political toxicity has anything to do with the shooting. This person seems to be completely nuts. He's got tattoos all over his face. He has been talking about, fantasizing about, and rapping about school shootings for God knows how long. This does not seem to be one of these things where he's like, I just don't agree with the minimum wage policies of this country. That doesn't seem to be an example of this at all. The, the the response every single time, especially from the left, about guns after every shooting strikes me as particularly toxic. They they tend to blame uh, the they put the blood on the hands of their political opponents. That's pretty toxic. But I don't think that's what she's referring to here. This is not an example of some person, at least as we know right now, and maybe we'll find this out. There has been some rumors of some of his postings having uh, some quote unquote right wing. And they you know, that encompasses everything to the to the media. When someone does something bad, every everything they post is quote unquote right wing. So I don't know mm-hmm. yet if this is accurate, but it doesn't seem to be politically motivated. It's, it seems to be random. It seems to be a very troubled person doing some very troubling things. It does not seem to be a politically motivated crime. No. It so what does our toxicity have to do with that? Uh nothing. Nothing. So what, it's just like these standard talking points that the very attractive Lori Lightfoot just keeps trotting out after she just violated them yeah. on stage in front of tens of thousands of people last week. And how is it that you don't at least acknowledge it? Do you not remember what you did last week? And she's done many times before, uh, as a matter of fact. She's contributed to the toxicity a lot. I mean, when the pandemic was going on, she's telling everybody, hey, uh, stay in your house. Don't go anywhere. You can't go to gyms. You can't get your hair done. That day she goes out and gets her hair done. And then when she's questioned about it, she's all pissed off. Right, well, well, look, I care about my hygiene. I know the rest of us don't. I, I will say, you know, obviously, she, obviously, she obviously cares about her hair. She's very, very attractive. About it. That. Yeah. This is a person who is right. highly uh, a specimen. Should of, be a supermodel. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I would say she is. She's mm-hmm. a supermodel without even trying. She just walks out every day on stage. Auto supermodel. She's on auto mode, Pat. And look, she needs to get her hair done. She needs to get her hair done. You know, mm-hmm. she's not like us, Pat. No, she's, she's not. not like us. Or she's not like she's important. Know, yeah, I don't. I, we're just dumpy guys. Yeah. You know, what, what, our hair gets cut. It doesn't get cut. When the, the mm. pandemic happened, all of our, uh, all of our, you know, all the hair cutting places around here, all the the salons and, and barber shops were closed. And so I w- sat there for months and months and months without a haircut. Like most people did in that period. And, you know, unlike most people, we have to be on camera every day doing our shows, Studios America, Pat Gray Unleashed. Mm-hmm. And did we look a little terrible at times? Mm-hmm. Probably. But you know what? No one cared because no one goes to us for our looks. They do go to Lori Lightfoot for her looks. That's what, why. Why <laughs> do. do people You know move that for a fact? Absolutely. Yeah. Why do people move to Chicago? It's nonstop violence. Right? Like, why, why would you go? You Lori would, Lightfoot. You go for Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. That's why you go there. <laughs> You move to Chicago specifically wow. to view Lori Lightfoot and just hope you see That's her. That's interesting in a, because you could view her from afar, <laughs> yeah, actually. But I mean, 
it's the same thing of watching the Super Bowl live or on tel- television. Right, you want to be there true. in person. You really do. And Lori Lightfoot, uh-huh. a Lori Lightfoot speech is the equivalent to the Super Bowl in my mind. <laughs> and you saw this yesterday with her incredible points. It's amazing that people like Lori Lightfoot are actually in charge of cities. She has been a catastrophe. Right. I, I mean, oh, is there anybody who, who argues with this? Anybody, any Democrat in Chicago that would argue with the fact that Lori Lightfoot has been a catastrophe? Yeah. This is not of someone who has his. Now, look, her attractiveness aside, she's not been a good mayor. No, she <laughs> has know? not. Look what's happened in Chicago while she has been the mayor of it. I mean, they had the uh, what do they call it? The, the Golden Mile or the. What is it called? In, all those great shops yeah, yeah, yeah. on Michigan Avenue. It's, it's a great city. Chicago it is, is a great city. Yeah. When you're not getting shot. And they were all city. vandalized and they were broken mm-hmm. into on a regular basis for the whole summer of 2020. And and then uh, she's got the shootings that happen every single day. And then every weekend you've got in the dozens of people who've been killed oftentimes killed and wounded by gunfire it's just normal and course just of behavior over that, and over and over that's what's so stunning about it you know it, it is it's and it's so bizarre the way that the left approaches this you know there is this constant churn of violence in these cities mm-hmm. who have been run by democrats for decades and decades and in some instances a half century or more in honestly most instances now and it just keeps churning and churning and churning. No one seems to do anything about it. No one seems to care about it. The media doesn't seem to care about it. And you have these three giant uh, buckets of quote-unquote gun violence, which, you know, again, that's kind of a weird way to look at it. You're, you're seemingly blaming the tool used rather than the person using the tool. But let's go with it for a second here. You have these gun violence, these giant buckets. You have the gang violence that goes on, uh, generalized crime in these cities every single day which is a huge chunk of the problem when you're talking about gun violence. Then you have another huge chunk of the problem, which is suicide. About half, half, the, half the gun deaths in this country are suicide. And you have these two huge things that the left doesn't really seem to want to do anything about. They don't care about mm-hmm. it. They never talk about it. And then you have this one tiny little fraction, which obviously doesn't matter if you were involved in one of these things. I mean, some of the details coming out of this Highland Park shooting are just heartbreaking i mean absolutely awful in every single way and if you're involved in something like that obviously there's no way to 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 make that pain feel any better but it's like it is a when you're talking about a nation it is a very tiny fraction of what we're talking about when we're talking about gun violence or violence overall and just because the left believes this is the way to convince people that your gun should go away this is how this is the one they go after all the time. And, you know, because often there are guns that are purchased legally much more often than than the typical murder. Right. They go through the system. They go they pass through all of these laws mm-hmm. uh, and still are able to often get these guns where, you know, the typical gun. We've talked about this before. The, the DOJ did a study about state and federal prisoners. And they asked them, all the people who got caught for gun crimes, they said, hey, where'd you get your gun? They did a survey of them. They found that 1.3% of them got it through a retail purchase. 1.3%. So 
but a lot of them were stealing them from friends, uh, stealing them from relative, uh, from uh, friends or relatives, uh, giving the, you know gifts from friends or relatives. People just gave them the guns. Sometimes they found them on uh, other crime scenes. Sometimes they were bought off the black market. All of these other ways, but none of them regulated. None of them that any of these laws would actually touch. None of them. I mean, 1.3%. So they're trying to micromanage the criminal behavior of 1.3% of people who are already criminals by punishing 99.9% of the regular people out there that buy guns and don't use them for the nefarious purposes. It doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't make sense in any other context. But here we are. Because of people like Lori Lightfoot, the very attractive Lori Lightfoot, and other politicians throughout America who use these things for their own advantage. Obviously, Pat, no one could make the statement that Lori Lightfoot made yesterday with a straight face if they actually meant it. Right. You just were on stage saying yeah. F the Supreme Court Justice, Clarence Thomas. And the next day you're like, you know what we need is civility. <laughs> Come on. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. And Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program, 888-727-BECK. Uh, yet another poll that bodes so well for uh, our brain-dead president, Joe Biden. He's, uh, he's really not doing well in these polls. I, but, you no. know, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. They just haven't communicated their message well enough yet to the American people. If they could just communicate what they're trying to do to raise inflation gas prices to uh allow free flow of illegals and drugs and terrorists across the u.s border if they could just communicate why they're doing all of these things it would be so much better for them you think so you think putting joe biden out in front of the people more often for him to you know fall over on a bicycle in public is that's exactly what needs to happen yes exactly really Mm -hmm. see for him to stumble and stammer and not be able to get his train of thought going and say the wrong numbers. You notice this thing with numbers? He cannot yeah, give it. a wow. number correctly. He can't do it. It doesn't matter if it's written on a teleprompter in 80 font. It doesn't matter. He just can't give you a number. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that. Because he can get through some things some of the time. But he can never get through numbers. If he has to say them, he's screwed. Yeah, it's weird. Can't do it. There's like a mental block mm-hmm. of some sort. And I think mm-hmm. the mental block is 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 turned from a block into a giant wall Yeah, uh, that is impenetrable. <laughs> yeah. Because he really can't Definitely. do it. Now, let me give you some actual numbers here. Joe Biden, All right. when he started uh, in office, he was around mid-50s approval rating. And there he was, was a, as high as like 59, wasn't he? 58 or 59? Some polls. The Monmouth poll, I think he peaked at 54. Okay. But he has constantly fallen from those levels and to give you a sense it's it's very typical for a president to start their administration in somewhat of a honeymoon period you've heard that phrase before you get this sort of burst of everyone in america generally speaking the american people like the country they're willing to at least give a new president an attempt at success right like they're gonna say hey and i i'm i'm the same way like i was very confident Joe Biden was going to be a terrible president. <laughs> now, I don't know that I thought he was going to be this bad. I thought he was just going to be 
terrible. I can so, tell you, I did not think he would be this bad. He's, he's I knew he was going to be bad, but there's no way you could have ever predicted how bad he would be. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm trying to think of what I expected to be different. And I, I didn't think the withdrawal from Afghanistan yeah. would be botched as badly as it was, right. for instance. Like, yeah. I didn't think inflation would be almost 10%, uh, right, or I'd the wait. real number being close to 20%. I didn't think gas prices would be $120 per barrel, which they're down from that now, but $120 yeah. a barrel. Yeah, to use that, and the reason why, because you might say, how could you not think Biden was going to be this bad? Here's my, my two-part answer to that. One is we went through the Obama administration where you have a guy who I think arguably was more committed to the ideology than Joe Biden is. Uh, A guy with 60 Mm -hmm. votes in the Senate, a filibuster-proof majority, who of course did spend lots of money and launched a bunch of new programs, and we didn't see inflation like that at that time, right? Right. So like you think, okay, Biden has less support in Congress, is less convincing of a speaker. Uh, you know, obviously everyone loved Obama back in the day on the left. Mm-hmm. And so you'd think he'd get less done. And while he might be as bad as Obama, it might not be worse than that. Secondarily, I would say, you know, as a guy who who went through the Obama administration, who was in, in, the, in the Obama administration, Biden was obviously a guy who was far left but never seemed as committed to that ideology as, as Obama was or many people around him. Instead, what he has done has is try to run this as if AOC is president. I mean, like, really, he has been, yeah. not only has he been a bad, incompetent president, which I you know largely would have predicted pretty easily, I think, he has been much farther left than even the, the president he served under. Uh, at least, yeah. I don't know if that's actually... That's accurate. At least he has governed that way. And Mm. he's governed that way with razor-thin majorities. Mm -hmm. You know, he's tried to pass $6 trillion of Build Back Better spending with 50 senators. And then he talks about how frugal he's been. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't get that done. unbelievable. And he tried to get $3.5 trillion done. Then he tried to get $1.8 trillion done. He's tried over Over and over and over. He spent... $1.9 $1.9 trillion on COVID nonsense that we did not need at that time. He then got the Republicans to come along for another $1.1 trillion of infrastructure spending that we did not need. Uh, and he's gone through all of this, and he's been, while the, the general direction of incompetence, I think, was predictable with someone like Joe Biden, who's never really succeeded at anything in his entire life. I mean, the guy's been a, a complete failure at everything he's attempted in his entire life. Mm-hmm. So this is what you get when you when you select someone like that. But like he has been much, much more incompetent than I could have imagined. I I mean, I I honestly believe if you picked a random stranger off the street and put him in office, he could not be worse than Joe Biden is. And that's, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of this might just be because at times he's completely tuned out. But I I think that if that stereotype were, were true all the time. It, things would be going better. You know, if if he handed this off to leftists who were generally professionalized at what they were doing, you know, some of these advisors who were around him, if he handed off the presidency completely to those people, I think things would be going better. Because at mm. least those people would be able to do things in some relatively competent fashion. 
Afghanistan is the perfect example of that, Pat. We all knew the, what the left wanted out of Afghanistan. They wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. They didn't. They, they don't. You know. They don't prioritize our defense. We, we all know the way that they act, and a lot of us were on board with, "Hey, eventually this needs to end." But mm-hmm. like the way they did it was was just pure and utter incompetence, fueled by an ideology that blinded them from any of the downsides, and that sort of thing is. It's almost impossible to predict. It's almost as if you've hired someone who's intentionally trying to destroy the country. That's what it feels like at times yes. with Joe Biden. Which it, there's a question we ask almost every day on, on Pat Gray Unleashed, which happens immediately before the show live and then anytime you want on, on your podcast. But uh, if you were trying to destroy the country, what would you do differently? Yeah. And I can't think of anything. No. I mean, they're, they've covered all the bases and then some. I mean, after it's one thing to spend one point nine trillion dollars on on stuff we didn't need when you come into your administration. Almost mm-hmm. every administration seems to get one bill like that at the beginning, like, you know, the, the stimulus plan with Obama. Everyone seems to have that one bill that they get passed at the beginning, the tax cuts for Trump, like everyone gets mm-hmm. one through, it seems. So he gets the one point nine trillion dollars through fine. Like, obviously, it's not fine at all. But like, we kind of expect that. And but that was really before inflation started hitting. In a, in a noticeable way in the statistics, it was happening. I think it was bubbling under. You saw, you know, things like cryptocurrency react to it, right? And have that big run um, that kind of led those numbers, but it didn't lead the spending. The spending was there. It started, obviously, in 2020 with the COVID stuff initially. And then once we the country had already started bouncing back, people were going back to work. We spent another $2 trillion on it. So that was really... The thing where democratic economists were coming out and saying, guys, I'm with you on a lot of this stuff, but you got to stop, right? Mm-hmm. People who were mm-hmm. in the Obama administration, the treasury secretary of the, in the Obama administration came out and said, hey, guys, you do this now, we're going to have massive inflation. But okay, they get that through. Then the inflation happens. They do the infrastructure bill, and then he still wants multiple trillions of dollars of spending after we've seen the results, after the inflation has happened, after everybody's already paying the price for this, they still want to spend multiple trillions of dollars. So there's this weird intersection where President Biden stands in the middle of every single day between complete and utter incompetence and an odd ideological lock that's immovable by facts. You know, we everyone goes back to, you know, Chairman Mao, right, who's like, yeah, look, uh, things aren't going so well, but we just keep pushing through. You know, yeah, sure, 10 million died uh, in, you know, let's keep we, let's keep going and eventually this will turn around and they just keep going and going and going and going and going. That sort of ideological dedication to this ridiculous spending and these terrible ideas is fascinating from Biden. And then his execution of it is always terrible. So those two things combine to the lowest approval rating ever recorded from any president up until this day of the presidency. This is now he's he's surpassed Trump, who was the other guy who had a low approval rating. And again, the asterisk is always there with Trump because he started without the honeymoon period. He's, his his approval rating was literally the entire time he was president, never above 50%. So he started much lower than these other presidents because he came in, obviously, as a pretty divisive figure. 
Uh, he just never approval rating was never his thing, right? That's not how mm-hmm. he won the presidency. That's not how he governed. He never he never tried to be this like broad base. Hey, everybody come together. Guy, he was a guy who said, "Look, this is what I believe, and this is what I'm going to do." And that's what a, a lot of people on, on on the conservative side liked about him, right? He just didn't he didn't care. Well, that's not what Biden ran at. He's ran as the opposite of that. A guy who was supposed to bring the country together. He was this big uniter. He was going to bring everybody together. So he started at 54%. Um, by summer, he was down in the mid-40s. Then you had Afghanistan go on. He dropped down to 42%. And then since the end of the year, 42 40%, 39%, 39%, 38%. And then, yet again, another new low. This is the Monmouth Bowl, 36% approval rating. This is, again, lower than any other president at this point in their presidency in recorded history, going back to, I believe it's Truman. So, pretty incredible. If he could just communicate better what he's no. done, though, his his message <laughs> yeah. just needs to be communicated better. And then I think he'd skyrocket. You do? Yeah. Now, do you think he could clear these numbers? Because let me give you the breakdowns by party. All right. Okay. 3% <laughs> approval by Republicans. Now, that Wait, is... three? Three. <laughs> three percent oh i've never seen that i don't think we've ever seen that have we you might say that's not so good okay (laughs) now i'm gonna say right off the bat that doesn't seem good it doesn't i'm gonna allow you to believe that okay but it's not two or one which are the uh, the other lower options or zero it could be zero percent that's a good spin on that so it's three percent which is much better than the alternatives of zero one or two okay okay yes it's bad 50% 50% higher than two. Now, independents, though, mm-hmm. must absolutely love him. <laughs> they love him. Absolutely love him. Now, you might say, what you what, in a stereotypical world, what you might get is a 0% approval rating from Republicans, 100% uh-huh. from Democrats, and 50% from independents, right? That might yes. be what you'd expect. Independents, 29%. Now, that is That's catastrophic abysmal. levels. Abysmal. Cat, uh, it's catastrophic. It is. Yeah, a lot is. of these people are Democrats Jeez. who just kind of say they're independents. Like, you know, I, I, I'm a registered independent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm conservative and do not vote for Democrats. <laughs> but I am a registered independent. I'm, you know, I've been that for my entire life. So I would fall into the category of independent. And so this is true for both sides. There's a lot of people who register as independent. They're not necessarily in a party, mm-hmm. but they have real leanings. Those people are included in that 29%. So there's a lot of Democrats essentially in there. And they, they are counting in that 29%. But this Incredible. actually might be the most disturbing one. And it's not going to sound that bad. But only 74% of Democrats approve. And those numbers, to give you context of that, is about where Nixon was among Republicans when he left office. Wow. Uh, only about about 70% approval rating for, for mm. Nixon when he left office among Republicans. So your party basically doesn't abandon you, right? You're always going to have most of those people with you. It's impossible to get it lower. Not impossible. I shouldn't put it past Biden. But it's very difficult to get it any lower than this. This is basically your bottom. It's really hard Mm -hmm. to get your approval rating down to 74% among the party that elected you. That just just doesn't happen very often. And here we are at 74%. You start getting that into the 60s. I don't know. There will be that talk, and I think a lot of it depends on what happens in this election coming up 
as to whether he's the candidate in 2024. And they definitely uh, already they don't want him. Yeah, we should get into some of they that maybe today. Don't want him. There's some big there's some big stories that have come yeah. out recently on this. A bunch of celebrities called the White House and they had this little call that they've been doing where hey guys, what if you guys do some TikTok videos? You guys can post some TikTok videos. Here's what we'd like you to say in your TikTok videos to support the administration. Now, this has been going on for a while, but now those celebrities are like, (laughs) why? Why are we going to do that? What are you doing for us? Like, they're fighting back. Um, But, like, if this election goes as badly as it may for Democrats, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to see, I think, a real push for someone like Gavin Newsom to be the candidate instead of Joe Biden. I don't think they're going to push for Kamala. No, I don't think so either. Why? Uh, because she's a black woman. <laughs> the only reason. And they're racist. Yeah, yeah they're exactly. racist. Triple eight seven two seven. Back. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Since we were just talking about our wonderful president, I thought we'd share a little something from the past uh, from Joe Biden. This is kind of interesting because um, something was said more recently along these lines, and the person who said it was vilified, demonized. They still uh, bring it up, and it happened, I don't know, three or four years ago, four years ago, maybe five Uh, Joe Biden, back in 1993, talking about Confederate flag waivers, and here's what he had to say about them. As the senator made a very moving and eloquent speech as a son of the Confederacy, Mm -hmm. Hmm. acknowledging that it was time to change and yield to a position that Senator Carol Mosley Braun raised on the floor of the Senate. Mm -hmm not granting a federal charter to a organization made up of many fine people oh. who mm-hmm. continue to display mm-hmm. the Confederate flag. Oh, no. my. Wait. Oh, my. Many fine people I've that heard display that. the Confederate flag. Where have I heard that before? Huh. I can't. Somebody else said that. I don't know that exact Very phrase. Very fine people. Almost exactly the same phrase. Wow. Uh, somebody just unearthed that. And it started, you know, circulating on the Internet. And uh, appreciate whoever it was that sent that to us because that's incredible. That is really incredible. <laughs> okay, Wait. You said the exact same thing 30 years ago, and now it's the worst thing you can possibly say. And like the the same thing applies Mm. to Trump that applied to Biden at that time, which is, you know, like the point was more broad than saying they're both. There are fine white supremacists. That's not what they're saying. No, they're saying that, you know, some people use that flag for. I mean, look, the freaking Dukes of Hazzard used the flag, right? Yeah, it was. Not yeah. seen as a uh, a right or wrong was not seen as a white supremacist symbol its entire time. It was seen as something as a, it became something of a southern heritage uh, symbol, mm-hmm. and like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people that put it up, even though maybe they should have seen it another way, you could argue it, but they put it up because they just you know like the South. That was it. 
It wasn't some big, you know. They weren't glorifying right. slavery. And I think that's what Biden is referring they, to here, yeah. right? Like he's referring to people who didn't use it that way. No, I think he's an absolute racist. Right. The, and which is he's how talking we, about white supremacy right there. Exactly. And this is because how, that's, that's how, how they, they did deal with it. That's how they said it. But that's what they did with Trump. Yes. They acted as if they didn't understand. There, there's this idea of plausible deniability. Not is this actually what happened, but can I come up with a scenario Mm-hmm. that will allow me to convincingly argue that I think that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's happening right mm-hmm. now with the January 6th stuff. It's like, well, Donald Trump said he wanted people let into the area around his speech, uh, even though they were armed. And his, what he said, this is the accusation from the testimony in the January 6th thing, which I know you weren't listening to, so let me recount it quickly. She said, uh, Cassie Hutchinson said, hey, uh, the word I got was that he said he wanted people let in that were armed. And his answer was, well, these these are my people. They're not going to harm me. Yeah, now, he's thinking about they're armed, but they're not going to hurt anybody. Right. So wor- so what? Hey, security, relax. These are mm-hmm. my people. They're not coming after me. I think everybody that hears him in the context of that moment with that phrasing, understands what really occurred there. That that is what he's mm-hmm. saying, if it if it happened at all. That he's saying, look, these are my people. I'm not worried about you letting them in. I know you're trying to protect me, but I'm not worried about that. Just because they have guns does not make them dangerous. I'm a guy who believes in the Second Amendment. Yep. Everybody understands. Everybody. Right. I think everybody on the left understands that's what Donald Trump meant with that. What they are saying publicly is they... He didn't care about anyone else. Mm-hmm. He didn't mind people with guns being around because they were going to go kill Mike Pence and 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 people in Congress, not him. So he didn't care right. about them. He wanted to lead them down. He wanted them to be armed because he knew they were going to target those other bad people that were trying to steal the election from him. Which is bullcrap, and now, they know it. Everybody know knows it. that's not what he was saying there. Right. Everyone. Yep. But they have plausible deniability because they've been able to come up with this ridiculous justification of another way he could have been thinking in that moment and then they all act as if they actually believe that's what he meant (laughs) and it's the same thing here you know over and over again the same thing is applied the the both the good people on both sides far fine people on both sides was an example of that they knew Right after that, in the speech, he said, I'm not talking about the white supremacists. So they knew he wasn't referring to that. Right. But they acted as if he was. And then a bunch of dumb people down the line don't look into it and think that's what really happened. I mean, that is a it's a real problem. Uh, And it's been I would say it was always around before Donald Trump, but it was really brought out from the media when they tried to deal with Donald Trump. It set off this thing where they said, well, we don't have to try anymore. We don't have to act like we're trying. We don't have to look like we're trying to do journalism anymore. It's, this is too important. There's something going on here. This guy's too bad. He's, he's a different creature. We have to treat him differently. Stop acting like we're journalists. Just go for it. And that has set, that has set off. That's I really think, what they've done. Yeah. That set really off a is. really bad series of events. I, I think uh, it's really damaged our institutions. Now look, Trump has you know has had problems with his institutions as well. It doesn't always care about them. There's no question about there have this has gone on. You know, uh, this is not just the media doing it. It's everybody doing it at the same time. But the media seems to lead it because they, they're the ones that are supposed to be the responsible party here. We all know politicians act on their own behalf.
We, they they act in their their own best interests. We we know that about politicians. Mm-hmm. The media is supposed to be the ones coming out and saying, "Hey, this is what's true and this is what is not true." They're trying to help us dissect when politicians make claims, which ones are true and which ones aren't, and they've given up that responsibility. They've ceded it completely. Yeah, I mean it's good yeah. for our business, I guess, because then there's someone else to to call it out and say, "Hey, this is true and this isn't." But man, it's not. I don't think it's good for society overall. No, it's I, I, just one of the things that we, I guess we've accepted along the way is the the media has just flipped to a biased organization as a whole, and uh, and that's just the way it's going to be now. Just like the Democrats have flipped on certain things, uh, like when it comes to um, the pandemic, they've completely flipped on. Big Pharma. Big Pharma used to be the big boogeyman. There were terrible people. They were overcharging the elderly. They were responsible for driving people into poverty just because they wanted to be healthy. All of a sudden now, they're heroes. Big Pharma is... It doesn't get any better for Democrats. Weird. I mean... So weird. I've done the show for 20 years plus now. Mm -hmm. You've done, you know, radio for even longer the entire time I've done it, the Democrats hated big pharmaceutical companies. Hated them. Absolutely. Made hated. documentaries about how evil they were. Yeah. Every movie that came out was about how a pharmaceutical company was screwing people over. Yes. They literally hated all of them all the time. <laughs> and then all of a the sudden, They're they heroes. love them all the time. Yeah. They and were- honestly, the same thing, the opposite has happened on the other side, where I, I don't know that republicans ever loved pharmaceutical companies but they certainly were more defending i of think them. they understood yeah that yes they charge a lot of money for their for their product but they do a lot of great but things they as do well. research and development and yeah. almost all of that is done here in the united states by the pharmaceuticals in america and so yeah I'm the price is a little higher basically every major development in modern medicine has come, come from, from the, these, united, the states. united states and many of yeah. these companies that yeah. doesn't mean they're angels it doesn't mean they're perfect no they have but, they have done plenty of stuff that they've gotten in trouble for they've literally you know they've gone through trials and done things that are wrong and put out magic medications that at some point have hurt people and they're all that stuff's true but they also done a lot of really good things yeah uh, and i think that i'm pretty sure i could be wrong but I'm pretty sure the correct attitude toward them is to w- look at them and watch them on their merits, not to love them or to hate them, mm-hmm. but just to say, okay, look, these guys are doing a good job with this right now. These guys are doing a bad job with this right now. That's kind of the sensible way. It doesn't <laughs> se- it seem like the, the left just seems to be absolutely despising them for 40 years and then absolutely loving them and treating them like they're God. A wholehearted embrace now. What? It's so of weird. Did you ever think them. you'd see that day? No. No, absolutely not. It's so strange. I, I don't. I and, don't. Uh, and what's even more interesting is that it was it was Trump who was working with all of these companies <laughs> to bring about this vaccine. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> they seem to have forgotten that little aspect. Yeah, like they, they ignore everything it. about him. Yeah, except this. But then they don't even give him credit for that. Nope. They act as if he had nothing to do with it. It's, right. I, I don't. I just will never understand it. I was doing a podcast the other day, and they were like, "Well, what do, we, what do you think? Some of this, the, the how did politics? You know, how did what were the things that you noticed about politics that were strange during the pandemic? And like, I can't come up with a better example of that than that. Mm-hmm. There's just it's the str- forget the reality of it. What's true and what isn't for a second. 
It's the strangest thing I've ever witnessed in politics. Like, mm -hmm. the left absolutely despised everything Donald Trump touched yep. since he came into public view. And, th and they told everyone in the country to not take the vaccine because <laughs> Donald Trump helped it. He was going to force a vaccine through without the proper safety testing. Andrew Cuomo formed a separate council to double check Donald Trump's work because they were so scared it was going to be a scam. <laughs> and then Joe Biden won the election and all of a sudden it was the, the best, best thing, thing that had ever existed. Yeah. And it was perfect. It was and on the other side, all of Trump's supporters... And not all, but many of Trump supporters who stood with Trump as he campaigned on vaccine development mm -hmm. can't stand the vaccine <laughs> and never want to hear about it again. Right. Even as Donald Trump sits back and is like, I think it was this great thing that I accomplished. And they're like, shut up. <laughs> this guy they loved they don't want to hear word one about it i don't care what is true what isn't it is the mo the strangest and fastest change it is weird. in a political a major and political sides completely flipped. completely switched to the opposite side yeah I, it's it really legitimately fascinating to watch that happen and, and I, I you know that will be one if if that will go down in just this in a in a political science study for the ages Mm -hmm. No question. Because you realize that people like Kamala Harris were telling you this was like poison as right. of like October 2020. And by January, she was getting the jab. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is fine Everything now. Is fine. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. And this is going to protect you. You won't get the virus if you get this. In fact, you're going to lose your job. Right. Are you a first responder who dedicated and your life to solving this crisis? You're out. And you're in, out on the streets. In fairness to Trump supporters who flipped on this as well, it was partially the mandate that made them flip. Yes. I, you know, it's uh, being yes. told that we that's must true. or else. Very well, true. then I don't want to. And that's very true. Look, yeah. there is... And everybody has their their you know, there's it's it's not pure right like you know a lot of people who are big Trump supporters got vaccinated I mean you know yeah I mean look yeah. Trump did very Jeffy, well with you. elderly yeah with elderly uh, supporters mm -hmm. uh, and you know you're at ninety some odd percent so we know that a lot of people who are big Trump supporters did get vaccinated but I think and this is why I think your point is so valid here Pat is that so much of the attitude and language and approach of the Biden administration infuriated people who were very open and to getting the vaccine. Off. Yeah, I right? was open to it in the beginning. Yeah, and it's like... And then wound up not getting it. Because people were just like, get out of my face. What are you talking yeah. about? It was a violation of their personal liberty. And it felt like giving in to a, a terrible government uh, program rather than just like, okay, this you know this medicine works or it doesn't. Yeah. Which is how you're... This is how medicine's supposed to be... You know, you're supposed to make medical decisions based on whether you think it's good or not, not mm -hmm. how the government is forcing you into it and threatening you to be fined or be thrown out on the streets from your job. Yeah. That really hurt. Yeah. Really hurt. Na, 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 na.